Episode 4, this episode corresponds to the second half of Chapter 8 Capital X and Y about 500 CE, back in Iran they watched the growth of the Sasanian Empire under Ardishawan and its subsequent destruction under later kings, this was a prosperous period in Persia from about 200 to 600 even though fighting was almost continuous between the Romans, Parthians and Persians said why yes, agreed Capital X but the latter two kingdoms generally did succeed in staying away from Roman domination, Ardishia was an energetic king, responsible for the resurgence of Persia, the strengthening of Zoroastrianism and the establishment of a dynasty that would endure for four centuries, he forced a serious response from the Roman government and military, generally, there was considerable religious tolerance because of the beneficial influence of Zoroastrianism but Ardishia started to misuse it and his successes even more so, the Sasanians became obsessed with control because of the constant fear of instabilities the Persian heartland was very different from the restless periphery. The kings discovered the value of terror where only the godlike figure of the king could choose between mercy and punishment. This was checked only to some degree by the Zoroastrian tradition requiring a king to rule with a strong sense of social justice commented why note also that the Roman Empire had a good run but anarchy is starting to take over. The regional armies have learned the secret that they can control the empire if they want to. Then the army ruled through the emperor and now the succession is determined through naked military force. Capital X and Y about 500 CE again, now that we are back in Europe, note that these German tribes are on the move, they have immense vitality commented Y big, rugged people clearly adapted to a cold unforgiving climate, I am surprised they did not take over the Roman Empire completely, basically they are driven by the need for food and territory commented Capital X unfortunately for them there was much of that available in Germany, Gaul and Spain, with all this tumult going on in Europe, we can now expect the Allens and Huns to add even more to the excitement said Capital X it is worse than excitement commented Y I predict there will be lots of killing, raping and movement of tribes. Capital X and Y still about 500 CE, the Allens certainly played an important part in the resettling of much of Europe remarked Capital X they spread all over Western Europe and Northern Africa, but historically they will be less well known than the Huns who certainly made a lot of trouble, they call themselves Huns but many of them see themselves as Sayangu in remembrance of their legendary past when they were known by that name but several tribes merged then it is really absurd to think of them as Zayangnu, but tradition is important and they worship the Motan portrayed in their legends, yes, said why and they have the immense vitality, horsemanship and weaponry to conquer, all they need is dynamic leadership and a dream to unify them and focus on a specific objective such as conquest, Attila provided the dynamic leadership that unified them and made them the ultimate terror for a large part of the civilized world, it looks like this tribe will disappear, but the effects they caused will continue for a long time, the Roman Empire is no more and the Germanic tribes are dispersed all over the place, primarily Spain, France, Great Britain, the Lowlands, Scandinavia and North Africa, in Rome, Aetius' position became hopeless when the Hun threat collapsed, protection against them had guaranteed him supremacy in the defense of the empire, his long-term collaborator, Gallup Placidia died in 450, he tried to force Valentinius III to betroth one of his daughters to his son, but this caused the emperor to have him assassinated in 454, then Valentinius himself was murdered the following year, all this allowed Gaiseric and his vandals to seize Rome from the sea and he plundered it of its movable wealth sparing only the Christian churches and works of art which could not readily be converted to money, from this comes the expression vandalism, wanton destruction of both movable and real property, the Ostrogothic kingdom of Theodoric. 493-526, was probably the most successful of all the barbarian realms in the West, as a Roman citizen and a former consul he preserved the civilization of Rome and revived its prosperity and culture in striking contrast to the continuing decline and barbarization of the other Western kingdoms, no further wars of conquest were launched except that they occupied Provence in southeastern France for strategic purposes, the conquest of Italy, by the Ostrogoths, was the last invasion of the empire by an East German people, the kingdoms founded by them were all relatively short-lived although their achievements may have been impressive. The West. Germans achieved less at first 
but their kingdoms were more enduring, they did not migrate but rather expanded without losing contact with their homelands, in some ways they remained almost wholly beyond the influence of Mediterranean civilization and became Christians much later, usually as Catholics rather than Aryans, the most important western tribes were the Franks, the Alamanni, the Frisians and the other North German tribes of Angles, Saxons, Jutes, and Lombards, capital X and Y about 500 CE again they went back to India to witness the establishment of the Gupta dynasty started by Chandragupta I and Samadragupta. I am impressed with these Indians commented why the Gupta period, especially the 5th century, can certainly be regarded as the golden age of northern India. Powerful and long-lived kings of exceptional personal ability made extensive conquests possible and established a well-governed empire, in which the energy of gifted men had free scope. The kings maintained a splendid court and gathered round their throne men of eminence in every branch of knowledge, on whom they bestowed liberal patronage. Literature, art and science were cultivated with success and distinction. Little or no mention of women again though she noted, capital X and Y about 600 CE, back in Europe. I see yet another example where sheep-like mentality was taken advantage of by a key leader. Pope Gregory I. He made the Catholic Church all-powerful which allows it to become totally dogmatic and hence intolerant. Humanity will suffer from the political domination by this church for a long time commented why but at least during his lifetime he is admired because of the changes he made. He is certainly very astute. Why in capital X around 650 CE? I am so glad he suggested we go to the Middle East said capital X the development of this religion by Muhammad is truly momentous. Soon after Muhammad had died, they summarized what he had accomplished and predicted what the future held because of him. It was clear that he had accomplished a great deal and this had serious implications for the future. He had been a dynamic and clever leader who greatly cared for his people, and his First wife helped him shape his religion and he gave her considerable credit for assisting him. Only towards the end did he become totally authoritarian and selfish. The latter was most clearly shown when he combined his love for young, sexy women with his desire and ability to acquire them. So he wound up with a harem of women that were not always happy with him. He also put to death two men whose only crime was to disagree with him, and this at a time when disagreement really did not threaten him anymore. He also did not bother to appoint a successor which caused lasting damage to the success of his religion. He clearly felt that he was irreplaceable. He was a very skilled politician and much of his religious teachings showed that. He made up his mind about what was desirable and feasible, being very willing to go with the flow. Examples of the latter, the fast during Ramadan, praying to Mecca instead of Jerusalem and the once-in-a-lifetime pilgrimage to Mecca to allow economic returns for his city. He attracted good, dedicated people to his cause, witnessed the first and second caliphs as well as people sincerely wanting to make a good contribution to life such as his son-in-law Ali. He was a good family man and his love for his first wife was admirable as was the fact that he gave her a lot of credit for his accomplishments and clearly and openly sought her out for advice and security. They expected the religion and the tribes to be quite successful for a period of time. The Bedouins were few in numbers, but were fierce fighters and were not afraid of dying because of boredom, anger at having been looked down upon by civilized people, their desire for more fertile lands, their fervent belief in one true God and the incentive after dying of spending immortality in the company of many attractive females. At the same time most of the other kingdoms were in disarray. Numerous wars between the Persians and the Byzantine Empire had exhausted both powers and they were easy pickings for the Muslims. The Byzantines lost Syria, Egypt and North Africa in short order to Islam. The Muslim religion filled a real need. It was hard for the different tribes and people to trust each other given their numerous conflicting religions and their living circumstances required unity. Having the same religion created a strong bond and trust between believers who only had to follow certain simple prescriptions on how to live. People generally love order and being told what to do. This religion gave them that. Noticing that even the mightiest among them bowed to Allah several times a day impressed on them their equality before Allah. All they needed to do was to please the Prophet and current leaders. They would interpret and tell people what was to be done. A great advantage for people who just wanted to be led. Allah was unknowable and this is attractive given all the unexplainable hurts people have to put up with in life. 
by the way said capital X with the Jewish, Christian and Muslim religions all originating in the southern part of the Mediterranean it is now clear to me why, the Semites are the religious leaders of humanity, the race was prepared by its age-long seclusion in Arabia, the desert served to temper life, nature varies little, the distractions are few and the influence of things observed is usually weak, the long fasts, necessary every year, purges the body of its grosser elements, the soul detaches itself and hunger sends the mind a message sometimes of passion, sometimes of resignation and often of hot anger, the only talents are those of war and of speech, the latter is promoted by a unique augustness of style through the silence of nature and the leisurely lifestyle required frequently in the hot climate, this atmosphere fosters seers, martyrs, and fanatics, just think, a people subjected to such influences for thousands of years, give it a creed and it will be an apostolic and devoted people, and they were so good at it they actually generated three major religions, but watch out for fanaticism, like all other religions in this world dogma will prevail and all three major religions will be very fanatical in their practice, yes, said Wyatt is a shame that new religions don't pop up regularly to take care of the latest emergencies and to replace the dogmatic ones, that is the main purpose of religion I see, the contrast is interesting though, the Jews want to be left alone in the belief that they alone are the chosen ones, the early Christian fanatics are eager to die as martyrs for their faith, the Muslims are fanatical fighters since they see a big reward if they die for their beliefs. Capital X and Y about 700 CE, we certainly expected Ali to become caliph to succeed Muhammad, instead Abu Bakr was selected, when Abu Bakr died, Capital X asked Ali whether his time as caliph had come now, no, said Ali, humor is the logical choice, he was close to my father and is a leader who can conquer many more lands and so pass on the one true religion to the world, Capital X was struck by the fervor in Ali's voice, it was clear that he was a person completely devoted to his religion, Capital X and Y about 700 CE again when Caliph Uthman was murdered, Capital X again asked Ali if his time had come, yes, said Ali, we are rapidly moving away from the true religion and embracing worldly gains too much, it may be too late already but I should at least try, this time he succeeded in becoming the Caliph, since he put a lot of effort into it and most Muslims agreed that his time had come before it was too late. Capital X and Y about 700 CE again after Uthman and Ali had died, a rift opened up between Shiites and Sunnis, I wonder where this conflict between Shiites and Sunnis will lead remarked Capital X they have a choice between a religion that will be clearly dogmatic, that of the Sunnis, a religion shaped by rulers on earth, or they can follow the potentially more flexible religion of the Shiites, where people are more likely to live their own religion as they develop and see it. This divide is similar to the one in Christianity where the Catholics are now clearly dogmatic and the Gnostics were the truer followers of Christ. Numerous Gnostics attempted to develop and live their own religion. You are certainly right to greed why capital X and why about 750 CE, after Ali's death, there was a considerable struggle for the heart of the Muslims. Witnessing first the Umayyad and then the Abbasid Caliphates in action, they decided that more fighting was inevitable to determine who will be the next successors to Muhammad. He would turn over in his grave if he had known the trouble caused by not appointing a clear successor said why capital X predicted that the whole area would go up in flames because of the tremendous anger generated by the Umayyads. This man Abbasid Abu Jaffa is quite ambitious, a very shrewd politician but he wants others to do the fighting. Instead of leading the effort himself, he identified a natural leader of the military in Merv called Abu Muslim who was clearly a counterpoint to himself. He knew that Abu Muslim was a good general who with a bit of encouragement in terms of some promises, would lead an uprising against the Umayyads in Merv. He also knew that there was no descendant of Muhammad that could be put on the throne that could be trusted to follow his directions so he set up his brother Abu Abbas as the front man. Then he started the rumor that once the Umayyads were overthrown successfully one of Muhammad's descendants would be installed as caliph. 
His brother did not last long as expected and Abu Muslim was not smart enough as a politician to last. This Jaffa was scary said capital X as they are lying in bed together. You are right said Y, but he succeeded. He was highly motivated, had no conscience and knew exactly what he wanted and how to play his cards. Capital X and Y about 800 CE it was time for Capital X and Y to pass on. Before they did, they summarized their experience with the birth of the Muslim religion and its expansion. There is no doubt that Muhammad is one of the most important people in the history of mankind. Was his influence good or bad on balance? Capital X took the positive position. The Muslims brought many people in the world in contact with each other and developed a positive religion. Sufism, the offshoot from the Muslim religion, helped for a while in developing civilizations in terms of poetry, mathematics, calendars and written documents. This religion gave many people the crutch they needed to live happily. Most people want to be told what to do and the Muslim religion was very suited to helping them with this. Clearly Muhammad succeeded in bringing a fractious people together and gave them a common ideal so they did not have to fight each other. Also, for a period of time they did take care of their poor and sick people. Women too were treated well for a time. Why took the opposite tack? Clearly many people died because of their religious belief and this was frequently caused by the Muslims and their religion. In the name of this religion many countries were conquered and people slaughtered just to convert them to this religion or in order for the power-hungry Muslims to gain additional status and riches. While it was a useful religion for a while, it ultimately split into various religious movements all with their own dogma. Although you are right that women were treated right for a while, look at how they are treated now. Totally the property of their men, although this is true in most of the other societies too. Note that the Sunnis believe their savior, the Mahdi, to be a member of the tribe of the Prophet, bearing the name of Muhammad. The Shiites on the other hand believe him to be the twelfth Imam, Muhammad al-Mahdi. From the Islamic perspective, law is not simply a human-made system but is of divine origin and must mold to its norms, not vice versa. Such beliefs may make these people extremely conservative in the long run commented why what is the purpose of religion again asked why, initially it was meant to help primitive people explain what is going on so they do not feel so helpless and scared, then gods were created by more modern people to prevent free riders benefiting from a cooperative society without paying the costs, and it is a way to help reinforce the group's effectiveness as a bulwark against the vagaries of the natural world, almost all humans want to belong to some group and religion can really foster such feelings, and many people love the structure of having a rule book, that is if you do so and so faithfully you will someday live in nirvana so don't worry about death or being mistreated on this world. It is puzzling why all religions are so anti-homosexuals added capital X religions usually teach conformity said why homosexuality does not fit into the normal pattern. It plays on the fear of heterosexual men that they too might not be considered macho enough by women, and men know they can often pick on such people easily. It seems to me that women are more tolerant in that respect than men since they are often allies and not threatened by each other. They summarized their impression of the major religions, Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Christianity and Islam as follows, Jews, Hindus and Buddhists are not proselytizers although in the case of Judaism that is because they see themselves as exclusive whereas Hinduism and Buddhism are inclusive, closely tied to that is the idea that Buddhists and Hindus are taught to find their own religion philosophy which is not true at all of Jews. This makes sense because the Jewish religion was really conceived to pull the tribes of Israel together rather than fight each other. Unity was more readily a given in India with strong kings, relatively few enemies, and an absence of competing warrior gods. As in every religion, some view their own denomination as superior to others, but many Hindus and Buddhists consider other denominations to be legitimate alternatives to their own. Heresy is therefore generally not an issue for them as it is with Jews, Christians and Muslims. But dogma will ultimately haunt the Hindus and Buddhists too. I don't like the caste system that the Hindus developed said why. It seems contradictory to their philosophy of life don't you think? Not sure responded capital X their earliest writings encouraged the idea of four classes. It is easy to convert writings into dogma especially the early ones that are often venerated excessively. There clearly had to be forceful leaders at the top to allow for interpretations that 
made the separation into classes dogma with terrible consequences for the bottom ones. It is interesting that all religions start with one major figure who either develops or synthesizes the ideas formulated. That is true even of Hinduism although we don't know the name of the person developing the first ideas since it was so long ago and nothing was in writing. Why do you think there have never been any noteworthy women prophets asked capital X. So far women have been very passive and submissive for the survival of themselves and their children commented why men would be totally surprised, angry and dismissive of a woman prophet and women would not dare follow such a prophet knowing what the men in their life would think. In regards to the Jewish religion they noted that Judaism ultimately only had the God Yahweh who was the source of all good and evil and Satan, the enemy who was only a lower level accuser. Judaism, after the exile to Babylon in the 6th century BCE, took over the concept of the devil as an adversary of both men and their God. With this the Israelis established a definite milestone in human history remarked capital X after the momentous struggle between many gods, then fewer gods, they have only one god to rely on now, they are really betting on a very limited option, that is true said why but they can redefine him as needed, it will be interesting how that god will be defined over time and whether they will survive as a nation, having one god to pray to simplify rituals but when blame needs to be accorded it would be nicer to blame one of several gods, it is risky to blame the one god, who is presumably all powerful, yes, said capital X but in case things go badly you can always claim that he is punishing you for not following his wishes. An all-powerful God would be like an all-powerful man, totally dictatorial and totalitarian, and their incredible certainty and clarity and direction led to cruel intolerance such as the murder of the whole population of Ai. The Jews have a very powerful but unknown God. What he wants may change as it suits his interpreters, the priests, but the people better obey him as far as to what they think he wants. He certainly sounds capricious and mean to me. Regarding Indian Hinduism and Buddhism capital X noted that in India the emerging ethic early on had diminished the violence triggered by the ancient rites. Indian religions seem to be directed inward with the idea, find your own religion to solve your problems. This was more a philosophy of life without any gods to follow and obey necessarily. There was little guidance given except in the most general way to strive for serenity commented why serenity is a wonderful peace of mind. Yes, said capital X but I am not impressed with their negative attitude to life. Why sacrifice everything in order to basically exist as what sounds to me almost like a vegetable. What makes life so unhappy, is it the caste system? More likely one or more strong leaders who were fighting devils within themselves and wanted peace from that. And a country without a strong clearly defined religion or philosophy of its people may flounder since it lacks direction. Their assessment of the Greek religion was rather positive. The Greek military needs and solutions to these needs made the Greeks very egalitarian. Their gods were reflections of humans who in turn were simply playthings for the board but immortal gods. The simple, pragmatic view of religion made the Greeks rational and logical thinkers. They liked the Chinese religion too. These people were quite practical said capital X. They have a leader, the king, who is in charge of everything. He makes all the key decisions after consulting with the god and this works well under favorable conditions. If unfavorable conditions arise such as drought or unsuccessful warfare, he gets the blame although he can often shift the blame to ancestors too. When such explanations are not acceptable anymore he is replaced. They saw the Christian religion as being ambitious. This religion emphasizes love for each other and embraces all people who want to be Christian regardless of race or color. Very different from the Jews and Muslims although the latter have become more all-embracing. They are strongly hierarchical so dogma will easily become institutionalized and one can expect serious struggles for dominance between the church and the state at some point in time. That is not a problem with the Muslim religion where the state and the religion are as one usually. They thought that the Muslim religion could be quite successful because it was so highly structured. Many people want to be told what to do and this religion was very suited in helping them with this. Clearly Muhammad succeeded in bringing a fractious people together and gave them a common ideal so they did not have to fight each other. They do not separate their politics from their religion so that their religious leaders will have an inordinate amount of power over people's lives. Although women were treated well for a time, this changed over time because the religious leaders were always men and in tough environments such as deserts the women needed the protection of strong men for survival.
Capital X summarized the general assessment of religious development of this species as follows, humans are aware of death and need a mental crutch to deal with this horrible reality, religion satisfies certain human needs by resorting to the supernatural, the primitive religions emphasized dietary laws, original sin, eating the body and blood, they were appealing for a time, because they claimed more supernatural power, appealed to and resolved emotional conflicts from childhood and maintained ties to ethnic and ancestral identities. They guaranteed approval from family and friends from the same tribe and so created strong bonds within such a tribe. People believed in fetishism such as the worship of simple, selected objects possessing superior power, stones, bones, shells and weapons. This apparently was the lowest state of civilization. The primitive religions had the following aspects over time, totems or nature worship, religious veneration of objects such as mountains, rocks, water, rivers, groves, special trees, animals of certain species or the moon, sun, heavens and stars. They progressed to animism, the worship of ancestral spirits, the belief that the soul after death has special opportunities for doing good or evil to the living and hence was to be honored, to provide structure and leadership for proper implementation of the above. Shamans soon made themselves available to implement the above through magical formulas and incantations, the performance of which was expected to influence these spirits. Some of the human needs may only be desires, for example, the subjective desire that everyone should love me is not a real need. As men became increasingly less primitive their real needs were increasingly met by technology and medicine, but certain needs remained. Preachers filled the void by praying, giving thanks and frequently allowing for the idea that whatever good or bad thing that had happened was the inscrutable will of a god or gods. Also, certain illusory needs such as the desire to be loved by everybody are met by religion, that is what a friend I have in Jesus, that is an appeal to the supernatural, the model is that child-parent relationship. This is the main reason for the survival and continuing strength of religion. Numerous religions were successful initially because they met a certain need of the people. These issues led to desires for real gods where the following categories can be noted. Polytheism, the worship of many gods. The gods are no longer natural objects but entities or spirits in or independent of these. This is characteristic of the religion of peoples in somewhat more advanced civilizations. Dualism, the belief in two deities, one benevolent and one malevolent, this accounts for the good and evil of the world by referring each occurrence to a supreme cause in accord with the character of its happening, monotheism, the faith that one all-wise, all-good, and almighty being alone created, guides, and governs the universe for ultimately good ends, this being is regarded as a spirit transcendent to or over the world of his creation, this is the type now believed by the great majority of people in more enlightened nations, monism, the view that the universe is a real unity in which the manifold diversity is only apparent, this division has no representatives among nations but should include idealists, phenomenologists, materialists, organicists, mystics and spiritists. Once humans developed the capability of writing down their ideas, organized major religions developed. It is sad commented why that women generally only had a strong influence behind the scene. This is really only acknowledged in Islam with Muhammad's wife Khadija and with Mary Magdala for Jesus. One can argue that men were dominant but there is a strong argument to be made for women being the leaders or real thinkers behind religious movements. It is very plausible that the testosterone in the males was crucial for the safety and ultimate dominance of homo sapiens and hence the women had to play a more apparent subordinate role. Why is there no evidence of a woman prophet? Be that as it may we have the following major religious developments comments capital X, the Greeks formulated a logical religion, the Indians a spiritual one, the Jews a legal one, the Chinese a practical one, the Greek gods are like the people except immortal, the people are really their playthings, their gods are very realistic and accessible, in that sense the idea of Socrates to strive to be good makes a lot of sense, the Chinese system is totally hierarchical, only the king has an idea of who God is since only he communicates with him but that at least may be more practical.
Oracle. Never do to others what you do not want them to do to you as indicated by Confucius sounds like good advice here. His key counsel is to do good rather than be good as the Greeks counsel. The Jews have a very powerful but unknown God. What he wants changes but the people better obey him as far as to what they think he wants. He certainly sounds capricious and mean to me. The Indians have the healthy idea of religion that constantly appears and disappears throughout history. Think for yourself about what your religion or philosophy of life should be. Yes, said why but even here dogma sets an end. Everybody has to follow a certain set of rules. However, I am puzzled why the Indians are so nihilistic in their religious philosophical aims. Life cannot be so bad that one would always want to strive to be as happy as a vegetable. I would call it serena or at peace with the world interjected capital X. They strive for happiness and vegetables are not happy. True said why but a lot of happiness is striving for good competition, sex, new challenges and that does not seem to be what the Indians are striving for. The Chinese system is truly the most hierarchical, the Greek the least so. The Chinese system makes it easier to combine the various tribes or territories into one. The Greek one would be the hardest to unify. Jewish religion sounds most like a wishful dream and really makes leadership on earth in political matters unclear. This appears to be true for the Indians also. Clearly the Chinese and the Greeks are trying to maximize happiness on this earth whereas the Jewish and Indian people have their focus more on a hereafter. Basically all major religions have one major theme that is Buddhism minimizes suffering, Islam, emphasizes unity through focusing on a life hereafter, Judaism focuses on the family, regarding women, in Judaism women clearly are property, in Christianity there was potential for female equality but women lost out because of strong, dogmatic leadership by Paul and Peter and the times were not right for it. In Islam too there was the potential of women being accorded essentially equal rights with men but they soon lost out because of dogma and their needs to be protected in the brutal environment they lived in. Buddhism, Christianity and Islam are missionary religions and so are spreading. Judaism, Confucianism and more minor related religions are not so they may fade away. Islam and Buddhism are only relatively universal, each showing the one-sided religious development of its adherents at its highest. Islam emphasizes the absoluteness of the divine side at the expense of the human side. Man is of no importance, he has only one duty, obedience. Society must be conducted on a despotic basis. Buddhism stresses the human side. It knows no divine. It is more a philosophy than a religion. Man must save himself by his own doings. Self-remuneration, full and entire, is the way of escape from the miseries of life. Christianity fuses the two, dependence and liberty, the divine and the human, religion and ethics into a real unity. It is interesting that the three major Western religions developed in the same area in the civilized world, about the same time. 800 BCE 650 CE. Perhaps this was due to the idea of a god developing in a period of aggressive capitalism, in a market economy. It is fun to revisit the road to Nirvana by approaches that encompasses all of these religions or philosophies comments why approaches are, the Pure Land sects, this could appeal to the common man as a way to get to Nirvana. The strenuous life of works is not necessary, the whole emphasis is on faith and faith is believed to be enough for salvation. The Chinese have called this the shortcut way. Clearly Christianity and Islam have the same idea. This can explain the popularity of Islam and Catholicism. The intuitive sects. The method of salvation is contemplation. The goal is immediate insight and enlightenment. This is done through scholarly research, the reading of books, the doing of good works and the performance of rituals. One must find salvation by an inward look into one's heart. This is attractive to mystics and to downtrodden, lousy people. This is a favored approach for Buddhists and Hindus obviously. The rationalist sects. Here one opens one's mind to insight from more than one source. Meditation is necessary but not all sufficient for insight. The gathering of knowledge from teachers and scriptures, the performance of ceremonials and rituals, and the regular discipline of the monastery are all quite valuable in the preparation for ecstatic visions. The mystery or true word sects. This approach is strongly supernaturalistic. 
heavy reliance is placed on a large pantheon of saviors, both male and female, their good offices are solicited through efficacious formulas, gestures, invocations, and liturgies, which should bring infallibly good results. The socio-political sect, this is less common, an example is the modification of Buddhism to Japanese conditions to reflect their social and political characteristics. For example, Nichiren, a Japanese monk believed himself to be the incarnation of the Bodhisattva whose coming was foretold in the Lotus Sutra. He rejected as mythical and fictitious the pantheon of great Buddhas and Bodhisattvas invented after the time of the Lotus Sutra. The three vows of his sect were, I will be the pillar of Japan, I will be eyes to Japan, I will be a great ship for Japan, inviolable shall remain these vows. Thus nationalism has made its appearance even in Buddhist guise. Of course successful religions will be frequently modified and supported by politics throughout history commented why that is how Catholicism won out over the Gnostics in the later Roman period. Similarly, Islam is successful because it does not separate itself from state functions. The recurring theme of so many of the religious founders such as Buddha, Jesus, the Gnostics and others that people develop their own thinking regarding their faith and philosophy of life does not seem to survive long. People prefer being told what to do and how to get where they think they want to go. They contrasted Zoroaster, Buddha, Jesus, Muhammad and the originators of Hinduism and the Jewish religions as follows. These founders are very different men indicated capital X Zoroaster was quite impressive in that he managed to sell his ideas to rulers that they should treat their people well. This resulted in perhaps the only two great dictators of mankind, Cyrus and Darius. Perhaps his idea of only one good god and one bad one was ahead of his time. I would have expected this religion to have been more successful than it turned out to be. Hinduism's originators are even more emphatic than Buddha about embracing variety in religious thought and against dogma. Buddha was really only trying to find peace and happiness for himself and went to extremes to find it. Once he found it he had to be convinced to share his approach with others but he kept telling them to find it for themselves as much as possible. He was not looking for a god to guide him and others. Hence his religion, more properly called a philosophy, was gentle to an extreme. The founder of the Jewish religion, whoever he may have been, say Abraham for convenience, needed to develop a religion that would unify several tribes that could not survive on their own. This approach required considerable input from numerous priests who ultimately decided that one god would best provide for their people and for their priesthood. Harsh times required a harsh god with a severe message, do this or else. The advantage of this was that the priests could claim that only they would know what he wanted and they would pass it on to the world. The resulting religion was quite successful in uniting the Jewish people, hence it met its primary goal. Christianity started really mostly as an accident. The originator, Jesus, was primarily interested in changing the Jewish religion by eliminating some of its worst excesses and emphasizing love. Like Buddha he emphasized to his disciples that they should find their own way in developing their own religion. Christianity only became a separate religion because of the work of Paul, a man of incredible energy and devotion to what he believed was the message. Christianity too was a religion that met a need in terms of giving people something to believe in during very tumultuous times. It appealed especially to underprivileged people. It was a religion that promised women increased status relative to men due to Jesus and the influence Mary Magdalene had on him but that was not to be because of the biases of Paul and Peter. Islam was a one-man religion. Muhammad not only developed the religious ideas, strongly supported in this by his first wife Khadija, he also made it politically the law of the land. Besides his own need to be recognized as somebody exalted, he succeeded politically to get his ideas accepted. This religion like Christianity appealed to the underprivileged especially. Muhammad cared greatly for his people and especially wanted the poor taken care of. He was an extremely forceful and dynamic person who commanded total devotion from his followers and had the good fortune of having forceful followers who were good at war. Here two women had some chance of having increased status relative to men but that chance disappeared at the death of Khadija. Muhammad did not advocate that people develop their own religious ideas. Only his ideas were the right ones. I see Buddhism and Hinduism as positive religions said while well, live this life as good as you can in order to be rewarded with an even better life the next time around. 
the other three basically order people to behave or else, the reward is only in the next existence, it is interesting that the Muslim religion and Christianity were spread by the sword, the others by a peaceful persuasion if at all said why capital X and why about 850 CE, back in the China-Siberia area they noted that the Roran and the Gokturks had their turn in the limelight for a while, the Roran or Huan Huan were a confederation led by the Tunguzic-speaking Zyambai people who remained in the Mongolian steppes after most Zyambai had migrated south to northern China where they set up various kingdoms. Their early leader, Mugulu, was originally a slave of the Tuobit tribe, living on the north banks of a bend in the Yellow River. His descendant, Yujiulu Shilin, was the first chieftain to unify the Roran tribes. He confirmed the power of the Roran by defeating the deal, once a Zyanu tribe. He was also the first of the steppe peoples to adopt the title of Kagan in 402, originally a title of Zyanbi nobility. The Roran established an empire extending all the way to Lake Yulin in Inner Mongolia. Their power was broken by an alliance of Gokturks, the Chinese Northern Qi and Northern Zhao dynasties and tribes in Central Asia in 552. Most of them fled into China where they served as border guards and disappeared from history as a tribe. After a successful rebellion against the Roran, leadership of the Turks was taken over by the Gokturks, a nomadic confederation of medieval Inner Asia tribes. From 552 to 745, Bimin Khan, 542-552, his brother and their sons from the Ashina clan ruled and controlled the lucrative Silk Roads trade. They must have inherited their traditions and administrative experience from the Xiongnu nomadic confederation said why their empire collapsed due to a series of dynastic conflicts. An interesting change from earlier rulers was that the Ashina clan ruled with supervision of a council of tribal chiefs. These empires will be succeeded by a more dominant Chinese empire now I predict said capital X capital X and Y about 900 CE. The Chinese Tang dynasty started about 600 and lasted about 300 years. They certainly dominated their part of the world thoroughly said capital X. They exerted strong cultural influence on and fought with the Uwais and others in Central and Inner Asia as well as with the Koreans, Japanese and Vietnamese. They invented paper and developed a strict legal system. By the 7th century, their paper-making techniques had spread to Korea, Vietnam, and Japan. They learned early to have contacts with people far away. Perhaps this was due to the precedent set by Emperor Wuti, I 141-87 BCE. For example, the Muslim Caliph Uthman, R644-656, sent an embassy to the Tang court at Chang'an, and an embassy paying tribute came to the court at Taizong in 643 from the Patriarch of Antioch. Their dynasty also took full advantage of trading princesses for alliances or loyalties. Several royal princesses were married to Turk mercenaries or generals in Chinese service in 635 and 636. A large number of their troops were foreign and were often led by Turkish generals, campaigning largely on the western frontier where the presence of Chinese soldiers was minimal. The capital at Chang'an, the most populous city in the world at the time, was a high point in Chinese civilization. It represents a golden age of cosmopolitan culture. There were about 50 million people in censuses of the 7th and 8th centuries. China dominated Inner Asia and the lucrative trade routes along the Silk Roads. Several kingdoms and states paid tribute to the Tang. Other regions were conquered or subdued and were indirectly controlled through a protectorate system. Besides political hegemony, powerful cultural influence was exerted over neighboring states such as Korea, Japan, and Vietnam. There were many significant innovations such as the development of woodblock printing. Buddhism was a major influence in Chinese culture, with native Chinese sects gaining prominence. However, Buddhists were later persecuted by the state and declined in influence. Ruzishin was the only woman in the history of China to assume the title of a ruling empress said why she broke all precedents when she founded her own Zhao dynasty in 690, interrupting the Tang dynasty. She ruled under the name Sacred and Divine Empress Regnant from 690 to 705. Certainly an interesting story. We women certainly are clever and lucky and take advantage of situations because of our beauty and cunning. Listen to this. She entered the Tang Palace at 13 and became a concubine of Emperor Taizong. 
he did not favor her, although she did have sexual relations with him. When he died she was expected to spend the rest of her life as a Buddhist nun, like his other childless concubines. But she was fortunate in that Empress Wang, the wife of Emperor Taizong's son and successor, Emperor Gaozong, wanted another beautiful concubine to divert Gaozong's attention away from consort Xiao, with whom Empress Wang was competing for his favor. Wang brought Wu back to the palace and made her a concubine of Gaozong. Consort Wu then defeated both Empress Wang and consort Xiao in the struggle for Gaozong's affection. Soon both women were killed and Wu was made empress. After Gaozong's death in 683, she became the Empress Dowager. She ruled both in substance and in appearance. She presided over imperial gatherings and prevented her son Ruzong from taking an active role in governance. In 690, he yielded the throne to her and she established the Zhao dynasty. Ultimately she was recognized as a capable and attentive ruler. She selected capable men and women to serve as officials and this ability of hers was admired throughout the rest of the Tang dynasty as well as in subsequent dynasties. To legitimize her rule, she circulated a document known as the Great Cloud Sutra, which predicted that a reincarnation of the Buddha would be a female monarch who would dispel illness, worry, and disaster from the world, considering the events of her life. Later discussion of Wu Zixian sometimes had negative connotations such as a woman who has inappropriately overstepped her bounds or she preached compassion while simultaneously engaging in a pattern of corrupt and vicious behavior and ruled by pulling strings in the background. Sounds like a lot of men we have observed commented why for many centuries, Wu was used by the Chinese establishment as an example of what can go wrong when a woman is placed in charge even though she did well in many ways. Note a pivotal moment in history here said capital X in 751 at the Battle of Talas the Tang commander Gao Zianxi, a general of Goguryea descent, had to retreat. Not a significant battle in its own right but this allowed the spread of Chinese papermaking into regions west of China, ultimately reaching Europe by the 12th century. Yes, said Y. Also note again how the Chinese encouraged contact with much of their known world. In 758 an Abbasid embassy arrived at Chang'an simultaneously with the Uwai Turks in order to pay tribute. They signed a formal treaty with the Tibetans in 821. The terms of this treaty, including the fixed borders between the two countries, were recorded in a bilingual inscription on a stone pillar outside the Jokhang Temple in Lhasa. The Chinese also concluded a military alliance with the Uyghur Turks who twice defeated the Tibetans, first in 789 near the town of Kuching in Zhengheria and then in 791 near Ningxia on the Yellow River. But they also encouraged the Turkish Kyrgyz tribe and the Kalaks, a tribe closely related to the Uyas, to attack the Uyas, driving them south into the Terim Basin. There were several imperial missions to China from Japan until 894. Chinese Buddhist monks spread Buddhism in Japan. Japanese monks also visited China and one of them, Enin, 794-864, wrote of his travel experiences including travels along China's Grand Canal. The various countries involved and others nearby learned about new technologies, cultural practices, their luxury items and contemporary items through use of the land trade along the Silk Roads and maritime trade by sail at sea. From the Middle East, India, Persia, and Central Asia they Chinese acquired new ideas in fashion, new types of ceramics, and improved silversmithing. The Islamic world purchased Chinese goods in bulk such as silks, lacquerwares, and porcelain wares. Songs, dances, and musical instruments from foreign regions became popular in China during the Tang Dynasty. Clearly these Chinese played a critical role in expanding human horizons over a larger area than before said Y capital X and Y about 1000 CE, Abbe Oji, the great Khan of the Kitten, started the Liao dynasty that succeeded the Tang dynasty. It lasted from 907 to 1125 noted capital X this empire covered his original Kitten territory and China. He introduced the revolutionary new system of governing both nomadic and sedentary populations simultaneously by dividing the empire into two sections called chancelleries. 
the Northern Chancellery encompassed the territory of the nomadic steppe people, including the Kitten and Conquered Steppe tribes. The Southern Chancellery, by contrast, included territories incorporated into Kitten domains that were populated by the Chinese and the people of the Korean Kingdom Balhi. The Northern Chancellery was run on a steppe military model. The entire steppe population was constantly mobilized, ready for military action should it be required. The Kitten language, for which scripts were devised in 920 and 925, was the official language of the Northern Chancellery. Abayoji's consort Zio family would govern the North. The Southern Chancellery was run on a civil model where Abayoji served as an emperor more in line with the Chinese model of leadership. Chinese was the official administrative language of the region. The Southern Chancellery used the competitive civil service examinations process developed by the Tang to staff the various bureaucracies of government required to govern a large sedentary population. This innovation did not meet with universal approval from the Kitten elite. The Kitten adopted much of the Chinese culture as is shown for example by the fact that Russian people who had established contact with them, thought they were Chinese and the name for China in the Russian language was similar to Kitten. In 916, Abayoji instituted another innovation, by naming his oldest son, Prince Bei, heir apparent, a first in the history of the Kitten. But instead his widow successfully appointed her son Deguang to be emperor. Despite Abayoji's support for this system, it never really took hold until the end of the 10th century. Abayoji, who himself spoke Chinese and was familiar with Chinese culture, did not speak Chinese in front of his subjects. He revealed to the later Tang dynasty envoy Yao Kun that he did not wish the Kitten people to lose the edge that they enjoyed as a nomadic people. He did not want them to become softies like the Chinese. The Song dynasty flourished at the same time as the Liao one said capital X but economically, not militarily. Their technology was very advanced in fields as diverse as agriculture, iron working, and printing starting an amazing economic revolution. Their population grew rapidly during this time, especially in large cities. Their system of government was quite advanced. But something really strange happened said why Chinese women started binding their feet during this period. What a horrible fashion statement to make. I think these women are terribly ostentatious she said. No, said capital X I think the men did it to show their women off more clearly as possessions. Capital X and Y about 1000 CE again, let us briefly summarize what happened in Vietnam and the Philippines said capital X in 938, the Chinese had tried to conquer the part of Vietnam called Jai Osho, in Gokuyan, defeated the southern Han fleet at the Battle of BCH Dang River that year, as King Go he effectively started the Age of Independence for Vietnam, he formed alliances by granting the title of Queen to five women from the five most influential families, later a capable military tactician, Le Hon, fought the mighty Chinese troops, he tricked the invading army into Chilang Pass, then ambushed and killed their commander, quickly ending the threat to his young nation in 981. The Song dynasty withdrew their troops yet would not recognize Le Hon as Prince of Jairozhi until 12 years later. Nevertheless, he was referred to in his realm as Daihan Emperor. After he died in 1009, a palace guard commander named Lai Kong Uan was nominated by the court to take over the throne, and founded the Lai dynasty. A golden era in Vietnamese history started at his death in 1009 when a high-ranking military commander was selected by the court. This commander, known as Lai Taitu, changed the country's name to Viet, Great Viet, and his dynasty is credited for laying down a solid foundation with a strategic vision for the nation of Vietnam. He moved his court to the new capital and later Day Hanoi and called it Thang Long, Ascending Dragon. His dynasty also promoted Buddhism but was tolerant toward the other two philosophical systems of the time, Confucianism and Taoism. During this Lai dynasty there were two major wars with Song China, neither side was winning, so the Lai dynasty proposed a truce in 1076, which the Song dynasty accepted. It looks like the Philippines are mostly settled by a combination of native Negritos and immigrants or refugees from the islands of Sumatra and Borneo commented capital X its people frequently conducted piracy against Chinese imperial shipping. Their culture is not as developed as that of Vietnam and certainly less than that of China commented why. 